Good morning. For this episode, we've got Christian Greco on the line. Uh, Greco is coming off a win at the Potomac River in a Toyota Series event. He's also just kind of building a career as a pro fisherman that looks to be increasingly legit. He's got a uh, pretty good YouTube channel. He's catching fish all around the country now, despite not having done that for very long. Um, So anyway, he's an interesting guy. We go deep on flipping and punching and that sort of stuff, of course. And uh, we even talk tournament rules and cancellations and stuff like that a little bit. Not very dramatically, I would say, but it's, uh, you know, not an unwelcome diversion. Uh, But anyway, here is uh, the Florida flipper himself, Christian Greco. All right, folks, we are joined now by Christian Greco coming off a big win at the Potomac. Also, just a really pretty solid overall season of fishing with uh, some ups and downs, but end of the year, I would say pretty successful. Still got the Toyota Series Championship ahead of you. Um, Man, uh, thanks for coming on, and uh, congrats on the Potomac. That was a phenomenal win, really. Yeah, definitely. I appreciate you having me on, Jody. And uh, yeah, coming off that Potomac win, it's pretty sweet. Got shortened to two days. I'm sure we'll get into it a little bit more here, but... Walked away with the trophy. That's all I can ask for. Yeah, yeah. I guess, uh, first of all, I mean, we're definitely, I want to start with the Potomac here. And, you know, we might as well start with the two days things. What did, uh, what did you think about the call? Uh, I personally loved it because um, it got me <laughs> on the road earlier and I didn't have to work in what looked like some really horrible conditions. But what, what were you thinking night of that morning? What was your vibe? Yeah, I mean, so they Mark ended up calling day three, so results were final after day two. I mean, I can't say that I wasn't happy about that being in first place, but <laughs> I think I, I think he definitely made the right call. The weather was definitely not looking good. Tropical storm was moving in. Winds were projected up to 40 miles an hour. It was supposed to be raining all day, so just overall not good conditions. And, uh, I mean, at, at the top 25 meeting the day before, Brian Schmidt had made the top 25. I think he was ended up being in fourth fifth maybe something like that and uh obviously he's a local there he's fished the river all his life and he was expressing how dangerous it would be out there and that it was probably not a good idea that we that we fished so mark ended up waiting until the morning to make the call everyone got to the ramp i guess and it was blowing pretty good raining so called the tournament and uh yeah i'd say it was a good call a little bit biased but uh either way (laughs) good call (laughs) yeah were you, uh, I, I think it was a good call. I think there's like, I would say probably like less than, you could probably find less than 10% of the top 25 who were like, oh yeah, we should go fishing in this. I, I think it was fairly unanimous, I feel like, or about as unanimous as you're going to get with like any sort of mm-hmm. tournament director related decision. Um, yep. but, uh, were you worried about Ron going into the final day or did you feel really good? <laughs> I mean, yeah, you always got to be worried about Ron. He catches them day after day. So uh, I'd be lying if I wasn't a little bit concerned about him being right on my tail. But I feel like I, I probably could have gone out there and, and caught him again. I really don't know. I mean, if Mark would have sent us in those conditions, I mean, I feel like it would have been extremely tough for anybody to have uh, put a limit in the boat. I I really don't know what that weather would have done to the fish. But 
if we if we take the tropical storm out of the equation, I feel like I feel like I probably could have put together an all, another solid bag. Okay, tropical storm in the equation. Like, what do you think you would have done? Did you have like chatterbaits and stuff tied on to like fish totally differently, or were you like planning just I'm gonna I got here with the big stick. I'm gonna go down with the big stick. Like, what did you? What What was yeah, your I mean, I, tentative plan for the day? I definitely was still gonna start off the day punching and just kind of see how my stretch of the river was really looking in those conditions. I I really had no idea what what things would be looking like. I mean, sometimes sometimes you're punching an ounce and a half weight, and the wind's blowing so hard that you can't even feel the weight go through. Um, so I, I mean, I would I'm sure I would have upsized to a two ounce, tried tried that, and then kind of just see how the day plays out, see if if I actually got bit punching, if it was even a possibility to do so. If it wasn't, then yeah, I mean, I probably would have switched over to a chatterbait or some kind of moving bait, something that I can just toss around and hope to pick up a few bites on. Yeah, that would have been a... I, I kind of am like, I go back and forth on canceling tournaments and like canceling days and things just as a as a whole, like the theory of it. Because sometimes in my head, I, I think, wow, it's great that we're going to see this play out. Everyone deals with the same conditions. You're going to have to adapt. This is like, it's a good test. And then sometimes I sit to myself and I'm like, this is ridiculous. Like it's a totally different tournament than what it would be under normal, under good conditions. Sure. You got to adapt, but like, do you really want to see somebody win a Lake Erie tournament out of Sandusky Bay or something like that. Like I, I kind of, I, I don't know. I, I do not have really a very consistent philosophy on like what to do uh, for tournament days. What do you have a philosophy? Do you not have a philosophy? Do you just say whatever the tournament director says I'm going to go do? Yeah, I mean, there's so many variables involved that at the end of the day, you just got to leave it up to the tournament director, whatever he thinks is is the safest call in the matter. And with a tropical storm, I I don't think it would have been safe for him to have sent us out. So, yeah, yeah, I no, I agree with that. I I don't like. I drove over. It might have been safe to say, "Hey, you're all fishing a Mata woman," but even then, like, dude, forty mile an hour winds, like a tree could fall on someone, like legitimately. <laughs> Like I, that's not something you normally have to account for, but like it could have happened. And honestly, if you pen everyone in Matter Woman, like it puts more pressure on your areas. It mm-hmm. also you're the guy leading the tournament, and the only guy who's maybe not the only guy, but one of a handful of guys who would get to fish actually the water you want to fish. Whereas like I know other people would not want to fish in Matter Woman, right? Like Ron wouldn't want to fish there. Schmidt wouldn't want to fish there. Like, I, I don't think Chase Serafin would want to fish there, but also I don't think he wanted to fish anywhere on day three with the weather forecast. <laughs> um, but yeah, that's a, it's an interesting call. As far as the tournament goes, um, how did practice go? Did you, did you realize early in practice, late in practice, or never at all that it had the chance to be something special? Because... It turned out to be really special, but you were kind of walking a fine line the whole way. Yeah, yeah. So the fish that I ended up catching in the tournament, really I found those on, on day one of practice. 
at some point during the afternoon, but I really had no idea what I was on. I'd gotten a few solid punching bites, set the hook on one of them, four pounder. Um, the other two or three bites I end up getting, I didn't set the hook on just because I knew the bite was going to be so tough. Really, at that point, I was just looking for some areas where I thought I could get bit. So I ended up leaving that area, keeping it in the back of my mind, but never actually went back to expand or anything like that. And uh, after practice, it was pretty much down to that area. And then I had one other creek um, over by Belmont that I had gotten a few frog bites on. Personally, I feel a little bit more comfortable punching. So mixing that with a couple other variables, I ended up going to my punching fish, caught some fish first thing in the morning, early on kind of, me in that there was definitely some fish in the area and just kind of stuck with it the rest of the tournament yeah that's for sure um you caught them pretty early uh day two as well um do you uh i know for punching like sometimes i feel like you hear oh well they get in the mats when the sun gets up or something like that right like mm-hmm. you might have a guy who wants to start on a top water spot and then go punch the rest of the day or something that is that the case for you sometimes all the time never like did you just kind of say i'm gonna go to these mats and i'm gonna fish them with a frog punching whatever's in front of me and that's the ticket yeah i've never really found that whole thing about the fish getting into the mats when the sun comes up to be true i feel like if they're in the mat they're just in the mat um i've caught a lot of big fish just going straight to my punching fish straight to the mat and uh you know catch a big one first thing in the morning and that one goes a long way a long way for your bag a long way for your confidence so i've I've never really believed that that you have to hit it at a certain time of day to be successful at it i think if they're there they're there so uh, a lot of times if, if i'm committed to the punching bite i'll pretty much just go start off on it and then i did throw a frog a little bit but only because the mat that i was fishing went so far back that i felt like i could cover a lot more water with the frog and in case I was missing any fish punching, I could I could just toss that frog back in there in case they were pushed back a little bit more. But ultimately, ended up catching nine of the ten fish that I weighed punching and got one on the frog. Yeah, were did were you getting bites way far back in there? I know you got like at least one because I saw the trail, but like <laughs> it seemed like they were really concentrated on the edge of that mat. Yeah, no, they definitely seemed to be on the edge more so. Um, and once I realized that, I kind of just stuck to the punching. Cool. Yeah, that's a. It was an interesting deal. Like I, you you didn't seem to be fishing very big areas, you know, and there seemed like no. you had a lot of company. Is that is that typical for you on the Potomac? Is that typical for you when you're on a punch bite, or was this like a little bit tighter quarters than normal? <sighs> Uh, for the Potomac, I mean, I've been there twice before. I feel like that's kind of typical. The fish seem to be grouped up. And if a couple of people find those fish, you're kind of fishing around other people. But uh, being being from Florida, I mean, we have mats everywhere. And it, it usually spreads people out um, whenever they are in the mats because they'll kind of get in a bunch of different areas. Plus, not as many people really punch. Um, it's kind of like sort of a niche thing to punch, especially once you move outside of Florida. Like those other two guys that were fishing my area, I mean, there's me and two other guys basically fishing the same stretch of mat. And those two other guys, I really only saw them frog. So I, I still stuck to my area. I mean, we all kind of had our own section that we fished the tournament on. And we kind of 
I mean, we were moving close to each other at some points, but ultimately gave each other enough water to fish. And but yeah, they were they were definitely throwing the frog a lot more. Um, I don't even know if one of the guys even picked up a flipping stick, and I was just I was just punching through there, and it seemed like the fish that I was catching were a little bit better fish. Yeah, no, I mean they they definitely were a little bit better fish. <laughs> um, yeah, that's a. Uh... That's cool, and I mean, obviously, you've got the Toyota Series Championship coming up, but it feels like a really good way to like finish off a successful season. You know, I I know this year, like you did solid on the Invitationals, and I would say you did like good to like good to solid. You know, on basically all of the Toyota Series events, like you had some hits and some misses, but. I mean, to close the year with a win is, like, beautiful. Yeah, yeah, it definitely came at a good time. Um, I wouldn't I wouldn't exactly say that my year was was solid. I feel like I could have definitely done a lot better. I feel like there's definitely a lot of opportunities. Just with missed fish, lost fish, bad decisions throughout the course of a tournament. Um, I mean, the results for AOI and stuff, they look okay, but – Really, I, I didn't have that great of a tournament year leading up to this tournament, so this definitely helped out. Definitely yeah. helped out with the morale well, boost. Looking at the uh, Toyota Series, so you had a triple-digit finish in the to- in the Northern Division, the Southern Division, and then your worst in the Central was 83rd. Um, mm-hmm. And then on the Invitationals, let's see, I feel like you had one like pretty... Mississippi River, which shouldn't have happened, and Okeechobee, which shouldn't have happened, were <laughs> bad tournaments. So yeah, it was kind of a weird year. The year, the, like the places that I thought I would have done really well on, I ended up not, and then maybe some newer places or places that I didn't have so much confidence in, I ended up doing okay on. Yeah, why? Why do you think that was the case? I don't really know. I've been trying to think about it, and I really haven't come up with anything. I think I just fished some bad tournaments this year. Huh. Um. You fished some really good ones, too, and it seems like, I mean, one thing is, this year, you fished a lot of tournaments. Like, I don't, I don't think you've had this heavy of a schedule before. Uh, I guess 2022 you fished a lot, but I still don't think you fished as much in 2022 as you did this year. Is that, was that really intentional? Like, you want to fish as many as you can? Was it just because you've always wanted to fish as many as you can, but now you're in a position where like you can bankroll that? What was the, what was sort of the calculus of that? Yeah, so last season I fished what was pro circuit now invitationals, and then I fished the southern and northern Toyota. So even that was quite a bit. I mean, that was what twelve, yeah, twelve tournaments plus the Toyota Championship. Yeah. Um, this this year I ended up fishing invitationals. Southern Toyota, Central Toyota, and Northern Toyota. So I wanted to mix the Centrals in there because I felt like that Central region, kind of Alabama, Tennessee, was really where I have my least experience. Uh, so I wanted to kind of just learn those bodies of water a little bit better and then figured figured the more I fished, the more I kind of get in rolls, kind of get in tune with, with all my equipment and everything like that. And, yeah, I mean, last year I had a really good year one won that pro circuit. Um, my YouTube's been doing really well. I've been able to pick up some really great sponsors. So I was, I was in the financial situation to where I actually could do it. Nice. Yeah. Uh, on the YouTube side of things, your okay or your, uh, Potomac videos are like fairly must watch, I would say. Um, 
and uh, it does seem like that thing has been clicking along for you. Have you, as you fished more and more tournaments, have you found that to be harder to keep track of and to do everything, or are you still able to like sort of build it all? Like, are you still able to do it? Really, do it all? No, yeah, I'm still able to do it all. I mean, in my mind, I prioritize the YouTube and the filming and all that kind of stuff. So it's it's just like programmed into my mind as part of the job. Like, I I can't go fish a tournament without filming. That's just that's just what it is. So it's uh, I always kind of plan around trying to film and, and edit the videos so it, it really hasn't been too big of a deal for me to, to keep up with it all yeah one thing i would i would be i, I wonder if like you've thought about is that with fishing so many events like inevitably there's going to be some that are close to another or you don't have as much time or bandwidth to prepare for right like did you ever mm-hmm. feel like you fished so many events that it might have hurt your results a little bit because I think that you can like look at Michael Neal and like look at John Cox and those guys are both incredible anglers but I also think you could easily say well Neal should probably be doing better on the Bass Pro Tour even though if it's only a little bit or Cox you know another day or two of practice would probably help him out like what's have you run into that at all or do you think you're still walking the line? Yeah, no, I, I don't really think that was it. I mean, it, it's so hard to say um, sometimes why the tournament results don't really match what you think you should be doing. There's just so many variables involved with fishing a tournament and what ends up happening on the water. So in my opinion, it's almost impossible to really pinpoint what goes wrong in each, each tournament. Um, so I, I think I think overall fishing more tournaments is, is more of a positive than it is a negative. Yeah, I would say so. Is there anything that you've learned these last couple of years? You know, we talked last on the show, I think in like winter of 2022, you'd fished outside of Florida a little bit. Now you've fished outside of Florida a lot of it. Like, I would say you <laughs> should have learned a lot these last few years. Like, is there anything that stands out? Yeah, the biggest thing that I feel like I've learned is is just fishing multi-day tournaments. Um, just really going out after day one or even after day one or during day one, whenever the fish that you think you're going to catch aren't cooperating just to kind of expand and, and fish a lot of new waters, almost fish like you're practicing. That was something that I was definitely a little bit apprehensive of doing the previous, previous year or two was I would find what I thought would be some decent fish for the tournament and really only fish for those fish. And if stuff wasn't working out, I'd kind of just live and die by those areas instead of trying to go find new fish, new water fish, fishing the condition so i feel like i've gotten a lot better at that yeah it makes sense that's a pretty good trait to have too to like have the have the confidence and the ability to just go out and do a different thing if you need to yeah but i'd also never really fish for smallmouth so i feel like i can catch a few smallmouth now yeah was that was that a difficult thing to do was that just uh you did it a couple of times talked to a couple of people and now you're like yeah i can go catch smallmouth now <laughs> yeah I, I i mean it's it's difficult and it's not difficult to catch smallmouth i mean they're pretty they're pretty easy to figure out what you need to do for them and once you figure it out it's it's really not all that hard so it, it's just kind of weird with the smallmouth to where the, they weigh so heavy a lot of times that it's like all right a three and a half is not really that good but maybe a three and three quarters is a little bit better so just trying to figure out how to get that little bit above average fish to bite has really been the only thing yeah the, the thing with smallmouth tournaments is, like, 
to do like to do really really well generally speaking like you need to crush them right like mm-hmm. every day in a row and i guess you get that like on the tennessee river sometimes but a lot of times other places down south you know you need you can crush them like two out of three days and have an off right. day and still end up really good you know <laughs> like you can have yeah, a day that can carry you and smallmouth like it's not the day that carries you it's the day that sinks you <laughs> Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's hard to make up on the smallmouth. You can't really make up a deficit. Yeah. Uh, was there any new place you fished this year that you liked best, or like felt like you learned the most from? Uh, yeah, Clark's Hill. I mean, I don't think many people had been to that one, and I ended up doing really well. I think I got thirteenth on that, and that was really when I put my I don't know what you want to say, but like practice during the tournament skills to the test. On day one, I caught a decent bag i think i was in like 40th place something like that actually i think i was in 33rd um but after that day i knew that I, I i had this funny feeling that if i went back to the same areas fished the same stuff that it just was not going to go well i didn't think i had enough fish left so i uh i ran to a completely new spot um a, a creek that i had fished in practice gotten a few bites in but really didn't didn't exactly know what I'd be doing. I just figured there was some fish in there. I'd go in there and kind of just figure it out as the day went along. So I'm heading into that Creek. I, uh, I see a bridge, nobody's on it. I'm like, okay, maybe I'll take a couple of casts with a crankbait on this bridge. Never fished the bridge before ended up catching a limit with a six pounder and had like 13, 14 pounds within the first hour of the day. And which was already, I knew I was going to be well inside the cut with that. Yeah. that's awesome. Um, <laughs> so yeah, just, I mean, just, that tournament right there just showed me that like I can have the confidence to just go fish new stuff and sometimes it'll it'll work out in your favor that's cool that's good uh huh how about on like the career side of things you said you know your YouTube's doing good you got a win last year now you've got another win this year do you do things feel solid? Like, does it feel like this is something that you're on track to be able to do for sort of as long as you want to do it? Or does it still feel like you need to fish your way to another level? Yeah. I mean, I still think I definitely have a lot of work ahead, but I feel like I'm, uh, I'm definitely settling into the whole pro fishing thing. Definitely getting my foot in the industry, but, uh, it would definitely be nice. And I think it would be very helpful on the sponsor side of things on the youtube side of things to to move up to the bass pro tour so that's definitely my goal moving into the next year trying the best i can to have a good season on invitationals and and make my way up to the bpt but i think everything is is lining up for me it seems like it does seem like things have lined up for you like you know you've gotten all three of your wins like doing your thing right like it seems like sometimes sometimes people never really get that wheelhouse opportunity right and mm-hmm. you've had it sometimes somehow, you know, fall into place a couple of times. And that's sure it's you being good, but it's also like the the thing being there, right? Yeah. Um, yep. And it feels like a lot of I mean, you've had some you've had some really good tournaments. Uh yeah, I mean yeah. I mean I I've had a BFL win, a Toyota win and an invitational slash pro circuit win, so definitely can't complain there. Yeah. Next year is not a real Florida heavy schedule. It's not even what I would say is a real grass heavy schedule. Um, what, uh, do you, with the goal being to make the, uh, 
the bass for a tour, it feels like you're going to need to not only, like, it feels like you're going to need to turn over a few new leaves. Like, you're not going to be able to rely on just your strengths to make it. Yeah, no, for sure. Yeah, the schedule schedule for next season is definitely a little bit interesting. Um, wasn't really sure what to think about it when I saw it come out. I was disappointed that Florida wasn't on there, obviously. Um, but I think I think a lot of them will actually set up to be more shallow water stuff, which is what I would prefer. I mean, I, I can catch them deep, but if I can catch them shallow, that seems to be a little bit more up my wheelhouse. So we'll see how the season plays out. Um, a couple bodies of water that I haven't really fished before and don't really have much time on. So we'll see how they go, but I'm, I'm always excited to get out to new places and try to figure them out. Yeah, for sure. How about that, uh, that Champlain event? You've been up there a few times now. What's your, uh, that one will be sort of, I guess, very similar to the Toyota series timeframe that we had this year. Do you yeah, feel think... like you're like ready for round two of that? Cause that did not go super well this year for you. Yeah, I think so. I think I have a little bit better knowledge of what the fish are doing that time of year. Uh, plus for this, this year's Toyota, we, I literally had one day of practice because oh, we were coming off from, an, <laughs> not that from another, <laughs> from another invitational. So I think most of the guys in the top 10 on that one caught them bed fishing. And with one day of practice, it's kind of impossible to find enough bed fish to, to do that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Hey though, I think we finally found, we found the tournament where if you had fished fewer tournaments, you might've been able to do better. <laughs> yeah. Was, yeah. No, that was the probably. one. <laughs> Probably yeah let's see sure. yeah so let's see rockamore he wasn't bed fishing uh ron probably was he had the same amount of practice as you but he's ron alec wasn't bread yeah fishing. yeah that was definitely a lot of i mean there were a lot of spawning smallmouth weight in that tournament for sure mm -hmm. yeah i mean i'm not trying to make an excuse for it i mean i definitely could have got on the right fish in one day if everything lined up but it, it just didn't <laughs> um yeah, no, no doubt. Uh, hmm. Can I pick your brain like pretty in depth a little bit about punching? Because I yeah. want, I want to know. I guess first of all, you've got a rod that is maybe coming out, is coming out. Tell me about that. We put in like prototype, et cetera, et cetera, and uh, like, are we going to be able to buy a Christian Greco Signature Series thirteen fishing flipping stick? <laughs> I hope so. We'll uh, we'll see when this rod actually ends up coming out. It's uh, it's a prototype in the Muse series. So 13's had the Muse series around for a little bit. They ended up discontinuing the original one and then uh, brought back a new series. But we've got the regular Muse series and then what they call the Muse HD. That Muse HD is basically all your heavy to extra heavy action rods, um, pretty much grass grass fishing rods and they had a lot of input from Florida guys who were on, on staff, including myself. And, uh, I mean, there's some good punching rods in there for sure. But last year I really started to, to break down like the whole punching thing and trying to figure out, trying to figure out the right rod, the right setup, everything like that. I felt like I was, I was missing too many fish or losing too many fish doing it and ultimately figured out that I, it was my rod and, actually figured that out thanks to the help of phil dutra who's also on the invitational he's he's super dialed in i don't i think you have you had phil on the podcast before we have he's a we have in he is a really good listen 
uh, if people yeah, haven't listened. Yeah. He also has his own podcast now, which I forget he does, the he does. exact title of it, but I'm sure you could find it if you look for it. Um, but yeah, yeah he's so Phil's... he's super dialed in on stuff. Like he's a very technical guy. Yeah, super technical. So like I'm not I'm not that super technical guy. So I, I like to get people's input when it comes to rods and and different techniques and stuff like that. So I ended up having a long conversation with Phil. And he's from the California Delta, so they they do a lot of punching. And uh, ended up coming to the conclusion with him that maybe the rod that I was using was a little bit too stiff, and I'm actually ripping a hole through the fish's mouth, or just ripping ripping the whole bait out of their mouth when I go to set the hook on them. So I uh, I got with the rod designer Ricky over at 13, and we kind of discussed it. And he he was already on the same page. He personally liked a little bit softer rod for for flipping and punching and really everything at any time that we work together on, on rod actions, I always tended to want a little bit heavier action than he did. So we, uh, we got together. He ultimately did all the rod designing stuff. I have no idea how all that really works, but basically told him that I wanted a softer rod tip, but it still needed to have enough power to sling around a one and a half, two ounce weight and then get them out of some super heavy cover. So he went to work on his side of things, got a few prototypes done. I think there's only three of them out there. I've got, two of them and i think gerald swindle has the third one um so i've been i've been using those for about the past year giving him my input on them and uh they seem really solid so i'm, I'm really hoping that we can work together and, and get those out to the public top secret punching rods for a whole year holding out mm-hmm. on us uh <laughs> what was the how long have you been working with 13 and how did it how did you get into a position where you're able to design a rod? Because that seems like a thing that a lot of, you know, like young anglers, like, or even guys who have been fishing for a while don't ever get to do and would aspire to do. Yeah. So this is, uh, I've been working with them now for a little, little over two years. I think, um, they ended up coming on board whenever I made, made pro circuit and started using their rods kind of, that season beforehand but uh they're actually local to to the tampa bay area so their their headquarters their office is is 30 40 minutes from my house so i've actually known ricky the rod designer for several years beforehand just from fishing tournaments in the area and stuff like that so it all just worked out whenever we partnered up um he knew i was a big punching flipping guy so he he took my input onto a lot of things and them being right down the road for me essentially gave me the opportunity to go in there and, and work on things with them. So definitely appreciate the opportunity. And like I said, hopefully we can get this rod really perfected and, and get out there. But the guys at 13 are really serious about putting out a good product. So they tend to they tend to hold off on putting rods, rods and reels out until they really know that it's going to stand the test. All right. What's, uh, what's the rest of your punching setup, if you don't mind me asking, while we're on the topic? Yeah, for sure. So I use the 13 Fishing Concept A2. Um, it's got, I want to say, almost 30, if not more than 30 pounds of drag, and I just lock it down so that way you have no drag slippage there. That's something that me and Phil kind of don't agree on as far as the punching setup goes. He actually likes a little bit of drag to slip on his really? on his setup. So I haven't found that to really do anything. I personally just lock it down and, and haven't had too many issues. But I've got that real eight three to one I, I always want the highest gear ratio possible to winch them out of the mat so i'm not some people will say you want like a six or a seven to have more torque i just i don't buy that i think you just need to get them out as fast as possible plus with the eight three to one you can get your bait in and out of the mat quicker 
get a few more flips in throughout the day, which is definitely important. And then I have 65 pound test braid. I like suffix 832. It seems to be super strong, holds up, doesn't fade too bad. I'm not sponsored by them at the moment. Maybe I will be in the future, hopefully, but <laughs> that's just what I like to use. And uh, weight, I was using, in this specific tournament, I was using an ounce and a half, which is a pretty standard punching size weight, although I do go up to a two ounce pretty regularly in Florida. And that's just a epic tungsten weight. They got they got on board with me this year. They've been a super great company to work with. Very thankful for, for that one. They're great guys over there at Epic. Um, and then the hook, I've been playing around with hooks a lot, and I always kind of tend to do so with, with punching and flipping. This specific tournament, I was actually flipping a BKK, one of their new flipping hooks. Jacopo Galele gave me gave me a couple of packs, and I really liked them. Um, so using a four-aught on that with a Guggen Bandito bug. For this tournament, it was Bama bug. Um, and the reason I went with the Bandito bug, most of the time I would actually punch with the Nuke punch, which is Guggen's punching-specific bait, really. Um, but the mats this week, or last week on the Potomac, they weren't, like, you really didn't have to punch through too much it was, the bait would just kind of slide in so it didn't really allow that hook to pop out which is what happens a lot of times when you're punching a thinner bait like the bandito bug um, but it was sliding in and out of the mats pretty good so i just stuck to that bandito bug with a little bit thinner profile i felt like the hookup ratio is just slightly better and with the bite being so tough i felt like that was that was pretty important but if the mats were any thicker i would have gone with the nuke punch and pretty much anytime i'm flipping in florida it's, it's with the nuke punch just because it holds the hook a lot better in the thicker cover um, I think that's everything. Did I miss anything on, on there? Yeah, probably not, but I still have some questions. So that BKK okay. one, it's the the uh, heavy cover flipping hook. It's got like a slick coating and like a little sort of, yep. looks like a tied-on keeper. Yep, yep. I'm, I'm really a big fan of that uh, that like slick gray coating. I'm not, I think they call it nano coating or something like that. A lot of the hook manufacturers have gone to that. Yeah. I feel like... I feel like that definitely gets a really good hook set. You have to be a little bit careful though because sometimes... Sometimes those hooks will be a little bit light, um, lighter wire. You got to be careful, especially yep. when it comes to flipping and punching because they will bend out. But another good thing about that rod that I'm using is because it does have a little bit softer tip, it's really hard to actually bend out one of those hooks. If you're using like a, say an eight foot extra heavy, you probably, you probably would bend out the hooks a little bit. Okay. Yeah. And then I guess on that note, are you snelling? Are you tying direct are you using some other knot what's do you vary it based on weight what do you do there yeah so my general rule of thumb when it comes to snelling is if i'm if i'm flipping slash punching with anything over an ounce i'll smell anything less than an ounce um, i'll just tie a polymer i just think that the snell doesn't really do much on the lighter weights but as you start stepping up the weight size i think that's when it when it really starts to show okay yeah that I think that makes sense. I don't think that's like out of the ordinary. Um, do you ever uh, mess around with like a punch skirt at all? Or do you pretty much always, like I know in the Delta, like out West, like those guys are, man, they are punching some skirts. They love it. <laughs> and I feel like we don't see that a lot. We had like a little moment where guys did it all the time at Okeechobee and it seems like it stopped. <laughs> yeah. When it comes to punching, I've never been one to really put a skirt in there. I think it just, if it adds too much um, you just want the bait to get in and out you don't want any grass to get on it i feel like the skirt just kind of gets in the way more times than not so I, I usually refrain from using a skirt on the punching setup but i do i will i will definitely add a skirt um 
flipping like a half or three quarter ounce more so in like Kissimmee grass uh i really like the skirt because i think a lot of times when those fish are in the Kissimmee grass pads uh they're they're feeding on bluegill and that skirt kind of flares out and mimics a bluegill a little bit better and that's not uh that's a skirt and a you know a texas rig essentially that's not like oh i'm gonna put on a jig right right so it would just be like you'd put your peg on you put your weight on and then you would put the skirt and then tie your hook on so it would almost look like a jig but it's it's a lot more streamlined and it, it gets in and out of the grass a lot better without without getting hung up like a jig so i've actually got a youtube video that me and bobby lane did about a month ago on Kissimmee where we were both flipping flipping a skirt epics actually have has a new skirt coming out in a i think a month or so that me and bobby helped design so we went out to Kissimmee to kind of test them out see how they would do this time of year a little bit earlier in the year the, the fish on Kissimmee are really heavy feeding on bluegill so i always always use a skirt in that situation and we ended up catching like 25 or 26 pounds on those ah oh, that's got to be cool to get to work with bobby lane on a thing like yeah I mean, he's <laughs> been around for a while like you probably you're not that old like you probably grew up watching bobby lane fish yeah yeah i did for sure and he's got that bobby lane cup i actually fished it when i was in high school um over the last two years, I've actually got to be pretty good friends with Bobby, and we work together on some things. And I'll I'll be at the Bobby Lane Cup this year, just representing as a pro angler. So that's pretty cool. That not too long ago, I was actually fishing his tournament in high school, and uh, now he's inviting me back to to be there as a pro. Awesome. When is that? Do you have Do you know that off the top of your head? I believe it is December the second. So the first the first Saturday of, of December. Cool. Cool. Uh, good deal. Uh, let's see. Um, let me look at my notes here real quick. Do you think I, Oh, I have another punching question now while I'm on it. Uh, so you said 65 pound. Do you vary that at all? Like, are there times where you're going to flip with 50 or flip with 80? Or do you like 99% of the time you're using 65 just cause you like that? Yeah, 99.9% of the time at 65, I would never go lower than 65. Anything lower, I feel like you're you're really risking breaking off on the hook set or punching some of these mats. I mean, the hydrilla will, will kind of chafe at the line. A lot of the mats in Florida literally are like floating islands, so you got all kinds of stuff that could be chafing your line up. So I would, I would never go lower than 65. Every now and then, I'll actually step it up to 80 if, if I feel like I need to, but I don't, I like 65, 80, the fish aren't going to see the difference. So if I feel like I need to go up to 80, I will, but 99% of the time, 65 gets it done. Okay. Makes sense. Is, uh, I guess, what are there other, are there other things that you feel like you might do a little bit differently that help you? Or do you think that a lot of the stuff that you do is, fairly standard it's just maybe like slightly tweaked to what you know to your comfortability if that makes sense it's probably the main thing yeah, the main I mean, difference I, is the rod if anything and even that is kind of becoming more mainstream right yeah for sure I, I just think a lot of people just don't punch or don't have confidence in punching or don't really want to do it all day is is really what i've found um if i, if I think there's going to be a punching bite and i've show up to a place and get a couple bites, I just get it locked in my head that that's what I'm going to do all day, no matter what happens. So I, I think I commit to it a lot more than a lot of people would be willing to. 
And I mean, it's definitely burned me in the past for sure, but it's also, it's also really helped me along the way too. So I, I, if, if there's a punching bite, I'm, I'm the one who's going to commit to it. If there's only going to be five bites to be had, and that's pretty much what happened on the Potomac. Yeah. I mean, heck you beat Randall Tharp in a punching tournament, uh, not that long ago. So, uh, <laughs> which one, yeah. I mean, which one did I beat punch. Randall in? Oh, uh, Harris Oh, Harris Chain, okay. Dude, he caught yeah. a big bag on day one, and then he, like, did terrible he did. after that. He did, I forgot. <laughs> yeah, I forgot. He was leading after day one, wasn't he? I think or so. Close to Although, it. you know, that may have been a case where he committed to the punching bite, and you didn't commit. You you yeah. decommitted. <laughs> so, uh, <laughs> that could have just been smart. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah, that tournament was definitely, definitely interesting. I mean, I, I ended up catching him off of Shell the first three days, and then ended up going to the flipping slash punching bite on, on the last day. So I definitely wasn't committed the full tournament, but I committed to it on the last day. Was, uh, were there any people who you've watched fish who you feel like you've learned a lot from as far as like either stuff outside of your comfort zone or even just how to fish better in Florida, how to punch better? Like who, who did you sort of, who have you molded yourself after? Or have you kind of just come across from a wide variety of things? Yeah, I would say it was definitely a wide variety. Um, when it comes down to Florida, ultimately, I think just growing up fishing around here and just putting in a lot of time on the water, I kind of developed my own style in, here in Florida. But definitely, I mean, I watch all kinds of YouTube videos of, of the other guys, other pros fishing different lakes and different styles, and I definitely pick up some little things here and there. Cool, cool, cool. Um, all right. I think my last question, this is a tournament rules question. I know you occasionally will fish a tournament on Lake Tarpon. And let me tell you, for folks who don't know, Lake Tarpon is a world-class fishery in Tampa, Florida. (laughs) Uh, there is some drama going down with the rules for Tuesday nighters at Lake Tarpon right now. So I want your take on this. (laughs) I got Dickie to send me the specific rules for what they used to be. Uh, so I'm going to read right. them now. And uh, then we'll all go watch some more of your YouTube. But the rule used to be for their Tuesday nighters is that the lake goes off limits from 3 o'clock to 6 o'clock, day of the tournament. The rule changed to the lake is not off limits. The rule went back to the lake is off limits at 3, back, ready to go at 6 o'clock for the derby. There's a proposed rule that the lake goes off limits all day. There's an exception to the rule that if you come by water, you're allowed to, you know, whether from your house or another ramp, but you can't stop to idle or look for fish. What should the rule be? Help me out. (laughs) Uh, The the funny thing about all this is that this is like a Tuesday night tournament that maybe 10 to 15 people fish. (laughs) (laughs) I I was talking with uh, Dickie, and he said that there were like – eight boats or six boats last night or something like that. And I'm like, all right. And they were all like, I don't I'll knock down drag out in the parking lot is probably like the wrong term, but like there was a vigorous debate about what should be done about this both online yeah, and think, in person. So I love it. I think these, uh, from what I've come to see is, is these local tournaments with not that many boats seem to take, take rules and, and tournaments pretty seriously. So I've actually been fishing the Tuesday nighters for, I don't even know, really since I could drive. So when I was about 16, so I guess I've been fishing for like eight years now. And there's 
for whatever reason, there's always some some type of drama out there on Lake Tarpon. But I would I would lean more towards uh, saying the lake goes off limits, just because you got guys that'll go out there and and just scan and find groups of fish um, right before the tournament, and then go out and catch them, whatever. And most people on on that tournament are literally just showing up after work, so they just hitch up their boat after work and, and come to the lake. So I think you'll get more people showing up if if that rule is in place. So I think it I think it's a net positive to just have the lake off limits. All right. I, I think I agree with you. I, the idea I liked, which nobody seems to have had yet is it goes off limits at noon. It's longer off limits. It forces people to get lunch. Uh, but I don't know. Yeah. I mean, I, I think they should, I think it should just be off limits all day. Personally. I mean, for a $40 entry fee tournament, you're trying a little bit too hard. If you're out there practicing for that all day, <laughs> <laughs> That's uh probably fair. I mean, with gas prices, like if you practice real hard, you could like burn up your yeah, you might just break <laughs> You might just break even, even if you win. Yeah, like that's uh, yeah. If you come in, you've like finished second, get your money back, and then you're in the hole. Uh, <laughs> I I hear you're undefeated out on Lake Carpen, though. Is that true? I am. Yes, Dicky, uh, Dicky D and I fished two Tuesday nighters. Uh, when I was down there this winter, and uh, we went two and zero, but I had uh, a good guy. If, <laughs> if you ever if you ever make the trip back to world famous Lake Tarpon, let me know, and I'll try to I'll try to get you on my boat so we can remain undefeated. I'm definitely not undefeated on Lake Tarpon. I tend to get beat out there pretty bad because I'm never out there anymore. <laughs> yeah, Dicky spends like oh he lives there right, so he fishes literally like I think he fishes on it probably every day. You know, or like every other day at least. He's got like a little bass tracker tied up to his dock. It's like the deal. It's basically paradise yeah. as far as I can tell. Except it's Lake Tarpon, which I keep telling him it's not really that good. Like there's better yeah, places no. to fish. <laughs> yeah, there's a, there's a lot better places than Lake Tarpon to fish for sure. But apparently back in the day it used to be like one of Florida's best fisheries. But I'll go out and say that's not the case at the moment maybe you know if some of the snook swim in from the ocean or something like that maybe it'll take off again get some more hydrilla <laughs> i don't know <laughs> yeah um, yep. all right well i had to anytime i can go hyper local i like to i love a little tournament drama uh, especially if it's not my tournament drama um but uh is there anything else we want to cover uh any any like big announcements for 2024 that we need to hit on uh or is uh are we pretty much good to go you think no i don't have i don't have anything big at the moment hopefully maybe towards the end of the season i'll have some stuff to announce but i would just point people towards my youtube and my instagram i'll probably i'll probably post some stuff here in the next couple months as far as my plans and so forth going into 2024 so just look me up on youtube instagram facebook whatever search my name christian greco and it'll all be there all right. Well, I tell you what, man, thanks so much for coming on. I hope uh, also we can buy some of those punch rods soon. And uh, I guess that being said, man, I'll see you here in really not that long uh, up in the Ozarks. And we'll yeah, a couple weeks season. here. Sounds good, Jody. I appreciate you having me on. <laughs>